joining me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to the traditional custodians of the land we are coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Well, Jono, the football season in Europe has officially finished, but that hasn't stopped the transfer window kicking into gear. Uh, and we'll look a little, uh, a little bit closer at some of the biggest transfer stories circling at the moment a little bit later in the show. Uh, NRL Rugby League and Queensland wrapped up State of Origin series with a 32-6 win uh, Wednesday night. Uh, Australian time over New South Wales in Game 2. A clinical victory by the Queenslanders. They now head to Game 3 on July 12th in Sydney. The dead rubber, but they'll be looking, obviously, wrap the series up 3-0. Yeah. Also, in some bad news for Manly and New South Wales fans, Tom Trevojevic is out for the season with a pectoral injury. He's suffered it in the first couple of minutes of yep. the game. Uh, while there's now doubts over Brad Fitless' coaching future with New South Wales, obviously heading into this third game, uh, I'll be interested to see what happens next year in regards to uh, this New South Wales team. But Jono, disappointing uh, if you're a New South Wales fan. Obviously, Queensland just proving a little bit too good and in front of that uh, raucous Queensland crowd, they just uh, overpowered and, and outplayed the Blues uh, for long parts of that game. Yeah, I mean, it just really shows as well that it can't just be about superstar names. It needs to be about the collective. Um, and look, I, we didn't, I didn't necessarily think that it was it was going to be that scoreline. I didn't think it was going to be that so one-sided in a sense. But Queensland came out so strong. They held that try line so good. Um and look, it just looked like that they were in the driver's seat for most of that game. And rightfully so, they deserve that win. Um, so now coming back to to Sydney just for a bit of pride now at this yep. point. Yep. Um, you're, you're riddled with injuries in terms of some of your superstars, but still you need to come up with something right now because I think a lot of fans are thoroughly disappointed, not just from last year now, but this year yep. as well. Yep. So. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what, uh, what team New South Wales go with for Game 3. Also, and some great news for the Queenslanders in the women's state of origin. They also won that uh, after holding on the aggregate 32-28, to 28, only yeah. being a two-game series there. And so New South Wales actually did win Game 2, 18-14, but they need to win by uh, eight or more to, to regain this series. So some good, more good news for Queensland. It was also in front of 18,000 fans up at Townsville. So great to see support for the women's game as well. Round 17, the Warriors hammered the Dragons, so they continue their great season, the New Zealand Warriors. While the Melbourne Storm uh, proved a little bit too good for Manly, obviously without Tom Dravojevic as well. While Des Hasler has been appointed the Gold Coast coach from 2024, a bit of surprise mm. news, I don't think anyone uh, saw that coming. And in on the field, the Gold Coast upset the Broncos on Sunday afternoon in Brisbane, so a great win for Gold Coast, while Canberra held on to it to defeat a fast-finishing Sydney Roosters. Also in some off-field news, Luke Brooks is set to sign a deal, or has signed a deal with Manly from 2024. We know he uh, wanted to go on the open market after leaving the Tigers and testing himself, so he will be a Manly player from 2024. While it also looks like Ben Hunt uh, from St. George looks likely to join the Brisbane Broncos in a four-month deal to finish the season. So we yep. can see if that gets over the line as well. AFL round... And I was out there at the SCG, Sydney... Hammered West Coast by 171 points, and he's scoring 205 points. Quite an amazing scoreline in the AFL. Geelong returned to the winner's circle with a big win over Melbourne, while Brisbane defeated fellow top eight team St Kilda, and Collingwood edged Adelaide in another classic comeback at the MCG on Sunday. Rugby Union Super Rugby Pacific Grand Final in the Canterbury Crusaders. Bit of an upset here. Defeated mm. the Chiefs 25-20 in Waikato. The Chiefs only lost one game all year, but they... Uh, the Canterbury Crusaders came over the top of them in the Super Rugby Pacific Grand Final, so a great way to end the season there. Cricket, 
We'll go into a bit more detail a little bit later in the show as well here, John. But Australia, 1-0 up in the Ashes yep. um, after a classic victory against England during the week. Uh, while the Australian-England women's team, they're battling out going into day five tonight. So by this time, the pod goes to air. We'll know the result in that one. Uh, but that also has been a classic over there. So we'll, as I said, we'll go into a bit more detail a little bit later on in the show with the cricket. Suncorp Super Netball semi-finals. The Adelaide Thunderbirds defeated New South Wales Swifts 64-62, meaning they go directly yeah. through to the grand final. The West Coast Fever defeated the Melbourne Vixens 64-57, meaning the preliminary final will be played in Sydney. New South Wales Swifts will take on the West Coast Fever. The winner of that will take on the Adelaide Thunderbirds in the grand final. So touching on this, basketball NBA draft 2023. Always a lot of excitement around here. Anything catch your eye in terms of... Uh, the draft numbers and who obviously went early. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think it was too much of a surprise in terms of the top pick in Victor Wanyanam as well as the next two picks after that. Um, it wasn't necessarily that there was any too big of surprises or anything. I was actually surprised in terms of the lack of big draft day trades as well. Potentially, you know, it could have seen somebody like a Portland trading away their pick to try and get some reinforcements for a Damian Lillard who's been in a lot of trade talks as well, potentially. Um, but look, it wasn't too eventful in that sense. But yeah, I think it's all eyes are going to be on that top pick in San Antonio this year coming up. What's it going to be like for him? He has a great kind of core of coaching staff, of mentors in terms of San, uh, San Antonio. Seven foot five? He, he's, he's way over seven feet. Um, he's a, a lean, mean fighting machine. But it's going to be how is he going to maintain that yep. body? It's going to be hard. We see with... When you look at the past high draft picks that have been big men who are who are plus seven feet, right? It's it's a hard thing to have longevity in the league to be like that, right? To be that big. Um, the most recent probably of the superstars and number one pick was a Greg Odom yep. who came in. Yes, he was carrying a lot more weight and he was a different type of big man, but he was over seven feet. He had one, two seasons and just riddled with injuries for the rest, right? So it's going to be really interesting, but I think if anything... He's under a great coach in Greg Pop. He's under a great uh, mentorship, and Tim Duncan, will, of course, will be there. David Robinson will be there to mentor him. So all eyes on what's going to happen over there in San Antonio. So not too big of things that happened for the draft day, but it's going to be very interesting to keep an eye on, on Victor Wanyana moving forward. Probably one of the biggest high-profile moves was Chris Paul to the True. Golden State True. Warriors. Yep. So yep. we obviously knew Phoenix were wanting to to get him off the yep. books. And uh vision to see how he goes. Yep. In, uh, maybe, obviously, going in to help maybe... Uh, Curry with his game management over the year, so obviously being able to maybe rest Curry a little yeah. bit through the year, but they're going small there, they have. Uh, the Warriors, and, and we've seen this year Denver, a big team, and yeah. I'll be to see how they compete, but uh, obviously a great uh, franchise there, so obviously they've done it for a reason. Well, John, as we said before, um, Australia 1-0 up in this much-anticipated Ashes. Basball, that was all the talk going into it, obviously the way England played, and they certainly lived up to that. They were aggressive mm. in their approach. Uh, obviously, we saw that first day declaration when England uh, eight for three ninety three, and they and they sent Australia in. And um, you can't obviously criticise the way England. Obviously, they they play to get a result. Um, and on that last day, John, it was a thrilling finish to obviously see Australian captain Pat Cummings and Nathan Lyon combine for fifty five run yeah. partnership yeah. to guide Australia to that two hundred and eighty one target. Obviously, with two wickets to spare. Before we go into a few of the specifics, John, where it may have been won and lost, what did you make of the Test match overall? And do you think this idea of basketball and the aggressive nature that the English play with, do you think that is 
good for test match cricket. Obviously, um, it makes for exciting viewing it. And yep. you really, uh, anything can happen at any time in regards to the way uh, England approach the game. And obviously, it's good to see um, a test match and, and two teams, I think, even Australia had their part to play here, wanting to get a result, so not just playing for the draw. Yeah, look, I mean... I think it was it kind of sets the stage really and sets the tone. And I think you can look at it in two ways. One is just Australia really just rode it out, right? They yep. really, they tactically really took that approach. Um, from an England side, I don't think it necessarily. You can't really say that it didn't necessarily work because they looked in control a lot of that. Of they were control for so, many parts of those yeah, sessions. Exactly. So if you you can't just knock it right away. Yep. I think you got to give it a little bit more time, so can't be too skeptical of to it. But I mean, overall, if you're Australia right now, I think you love the fact that a your your captain was one that led you through this, oh, as well as Nathan see. Lyon as yeah. well, right? And it was great with the ball as well. Nathan oh. getting eight wickets, yeah. four in uh, each. I thought he, I actually thought that was a difference between the teams having a quality yeah. spinner in your team. Uh, we know Mo and Ali, in England, struggles with obviously Leach having to drop out injury, and, and Mo and Ali's uh, struggles with his finger injuries. He's not the same quality as, yep. as a Nathan Lyon. I thought Nathan Lyon, especially in that second innings, um, when he came on, he really changed the game and, and changed the momentum in terms of his ability with the ball and his ability, yes, they were aggressive against him, but his ability to be able to tie up and end and also get wickets. Yeah, and I mean, you think about it, someone like Nathan Lyon might be key to this series as well, right? He's a long-standing veteran of the game. Yep. You know, he's, been, he's, he's played in the Ashes before many times over, right? So you look at that and you think about who's important to get going early, right? Yep. This is this is a great result there for Australia. Is, is it just showed that he is somebody who can be key in this series, right? Ball, on both sides of the ball. And that's what really showed. And then look, of course, Uz, Uzman Khawaja. I mean, that he just... Phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic. One man of the match, e exactly. deservedly. So, I mean, but that's going to happen, right? And I think Australia has multiple players who can step up like that. If you're England as well, you kind of have to look at that and say, hey... You know, that's a bit of an anomaly. It's not going to happen or potentially might not happen. I know he's a great, great player, but it might not happen every single time, right? So you think, okay, that happened. That's that's a bit of an anomaly. How can we contain the rest, right? And I think that they have the opportunity to do that. It's just going to be maintaining that level now for the rest, right? And that's that's going to be hard to maintain that high that high level of intensity for the for the whole time. That's That could be the difference there is if you can maintain that level. It's a five-day test. It's a long series, yeah, right? Yeah. You got to maintain that that high level, that high energy, to be able to pull it off. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to. And it comes down to the last day, where where then Australia's going to get another 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 late late couple. And there you go. Yeah, I thought uh, considering Uzi's or Usman Khawaja's record in England coming into the series, obviously there was a lot of pressure on it, and for him to stand up and especially that first things where he batted for nearly eight hours and. Um, yeah. He really ground the English down. So obviously a little bit different to the way the English play in regards to their basketball aggressive style. But that 141 was crucial uh, to this victory. And even that 65 in the chase, um, obviously set a, a guard to be there at the end. Unfortunately, he couldn't quite get it when Ben Stokes got him out with a, a bit of a lazy shot from, from Usman. But his innings were crucial. And when you think about the Australian batting, the two best bats from the team, Marnus Labuschagne and Steve Smith, both didn't make runs. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's another real positive for the Australian team because yeah. those two will make runs at some point. They're too good of players yeah. not to, but for Australia to be able to win a test match like they did without their two best batsmen starring or yeah. making any runs in either innings, I think is a real positive as well. 
in terms of looking at the English, I, I, there's been a bit of uh, a few barbs traded uh, during and after the match. Obviously, I know there was a bit of uh, there was a few things said to Ollie Robertson, the Australian yeah. or the English. Uh, pace bowler who gave Usman Khawaja a bit of a send off in that first innings. He's uh, he's created a bit of uh, a bit of furor around that. I know uh, ex Australian Open Matthew Hayden's come out and criticised him. A few other players have come out and called Ollie Robinson a, a pretty ordinary bowler, and he hasn't been shy in coming back. But I actually think that's really great for the series. I think I yeah. think yes, he's a bit of a send off. It wasn't anything too malicious, and I think we've seen that uh, especially in Ashes series down the track I think yeah. both from both teams and I think it actually adds to the series I think it, this series has got a real potential to to really enhance test match cricket and show why test match cricket is still um, the pinnacle in the game we know they've been it's been struggling with crowds um, struggling with interest especially battling uh, your competitions such as your IPL and T20 so I think these sort of series really do um, are crucial for, for test cricket and we want to see two teams really competing harder and and going at each other. So I think the barbs and, and everything that's been said during and, and since the test match is, is obviously leading up to a really interesting lead up to the second test match, which will start on the 28th of June at Lords, the home of cricket. Yep. So we know Australia play really well there. They've got a really yep. good record there. Um, and interestingly, James Anderson, the Australian or the English veteran fast bowler, came out and criticised the pitch conditions mm. that was presented at the first test, saying it was too flat. Um, and there wasn't enough in it for the bowl. So, John, it'll be interesting to see how the pitch looks and plays in Lords and, and how the English prepare it. We know before the Test Series they were wanting fast uh, wickets, yeah. uh, fast outfields, so obviously for this basketball to, to work and, and be um, a positive thing for the team. But it'll be interesting to see if, if they put a bit more juice into the wickets uh, for obviously the bowlers to have a little bit more um, luck and a little bit more to aim for. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's that thing of when you kind of stylistically change and, and, and look at something that is a lot faster paced and everything, then you also need the conditions to kind of match that, right? And as you pointed out, a little bit of criticism in there, but look, overall, it's going to come down to if it's not working, then they are going to have to adapt, yep. right? You, you've already tried it. I think you still keep with it. Don't get me wrong. If you're England, I think you keep with your strategy. But the thing is, is as the days go on, if it's starting to not look so well, you need yep. to then start adapting, right? It's going to be their their demise if they stick with it and, it's, and it doesn't work, right? And, and you know how much criticism they're going to come to as well, yep. that they're trying to come in to this Ashes series from the start. They've made it very clear in the way that they're playing as well. And if now they come in and they, and they scrap this as well, then then just think about what, what's going to come down on them. So it's going to, they're going to need to potentially adjust on the fly. But like I said, again, I think you got to stick with it. I mean, yeah. you, you look at it. Look how tight that was, right? That there, There's that glimmer of hope. And yes, you pointed out, if you're from an Australian perspective, some of your heavy hitters didn't really contribute in terms of scoring any runs or anything. But at the same time as well, something has worked on the England side. So they're going to look at that as a positive. Say, hey, as long as we get a couple of them out, we can keep this a tight game, right? So you got to stick with it at this point. Conditions, yes, do need to be right. I think as well you got to look out if there's going to be some breaks because of any forecast breaks as well. The wet weather, as we know in England, always disrupts things yep. as well. So how is that going to disrupt any momentum that they might get early um, can be another thing, especially when you play in that, high, that fast-paced way. And looking towards that, uh, that Ashes, the game too, there, there may be a couple of squad chains. Obviously for the Australians, they probably will stay similar. 
whether or not uh, Mitchell Stark comes in for bowling. That may be the only change that happens there. Well, for the English, Moen Ali's injury, obviously they've called in 18-year-old English spinner Rayam Ahmed into the squad to see he may have to come in for the injured Moen Ali. And the other one that looks unlikely will happen is Ben Folkes, the wicketkeeper. Mm-hmm. Well, we saw, obviously, Johnny Bairstow struggles behind the stump, yeah. dropping a few couple of crucial catches and missing a couple of stumpings there. But it looks like they will go with Bairstow again um, as the keeper. But it'll be interesting to see if there is any changes to both squads uh, leading up to Game 2. Also, the women's Ashes going on, Jono. Tonight is Day 5, Australian time. Uh, England, um, they're looking a little bit precarious here, needing another 152 runs to win with five wickets remaining. Um, Ash Gardner uh, took a couple of late wickets to help uh, put Australia in a really strong position. Obviously, only one test match played Mm. in the Ashes women's series. Uh, Obviously, a bit of a... uh, a shared series, so they obviously could play a T20 as a one day, so a bit of a combined series there, but um, should hopefully be a thrilling finish there. And as yep. I said, by the time this podcast goes to air, we'll know who is uh, 1-0 up in that series as well. So great to see the English women and Australian women battling it out there as well. Well, Joe, the other big stories going around Europe is the football transfer window is well underway. Uh, we'll go through a few of the biggest transfers that look like they're about to happen. Yep. Obviously, some of the biggest rumours that are going to happen now. Thoughts on it. Firstly, it looks like Sandro Tonali, AC Milan to Newcastle. Yep. A Milan born and bred. We heard he's in tears leaving. <laughs> Six-year deal, I've heard. Um, $70 million, uh, around the price is what's being quoted. It'd be a record for an Italian player. Yep. Um, but obviously, shows Newcastle's intent, Jono. We know they were after a midfielder. Uh, to obviously go in there and obviously they've got Champions League football next year so this could be a really quality signing a young player mm. we've seen his quality for AC Milan be to see if he can replicate it in the Premier League yeah I mean I think he's an exceptional player don't get me wrong um, but I actually feel for him in the sense of you can tell how much he wants to be part of this AC Milan team he wants he wants to stay there right um, I think he feels a little bit of blindsided as well that they didn't look to give him any contract extensions or really yep. go any further um, because Quite frankly, he's he's been crucial in, in their successes, right, in the last couple of years. But I do think as well, look, it's it's a great fit for him at Newcastle in terms of a team. Yeah. Um, a team that he can almost lead in a similar way than AC Milan. It's not necessarily filled with any egos or anything like that yep. too far above what his would probably yep. be like. Yeah. So it's, I think, a good fit in that sense. Um, now, the difference is it's just going to be stylistically as well in terms of, of moving over to the Premier League. I don't... We don't have that many Italians who go into the Premier no, League up. and you know really go go and have a deep career there, right? And most recently, you'd say Jorginho is probably a good exception yep. to the rule and to have good, really good success there, right? Yeah. But besides that, you don't have that many that really no, stay longevity of a career and everything. Whereas a large deal like that, he's gonna have to stick through it and, and adapt to it quickly. Yeah. Um, now, Newcastle is definitely positioned in a good position this year. Champions League football, fantastic yeah. for him to be able to have that opportunity. So I think it's a good fit, um, but it is going to be interesting to see how he feels suiting up for Newcastle in comparison because, yeah. like I said, you can tell he did not necessarily want to leave. Um, so it's going to be now almost his first couple games are probably going to be more of a, an emotional roller coaster for him, more so than playing-wise. I also think it, it, it just highlights AC Milan's need to sell because of their yeah. financial yeah. The way they're built financially, and obviously they need to to still be able to make money on some yeah. of these assets. Um, so obviously we should see. It hasn't been confirmed yet, but it looks like it's, yeah. it's pretty close. The other one that seems to have been rolling on, but looks like it ain't isn't going to go anyway. Is Mason Mount, Chelsea yeah. to Manchester United. Manchester United have uh, submitted 
two or three bids been rejected. <laughs> um, I think Chelsea were after about 65. Yeah. I think Manchester United gone about 55. So we just see how that goes because obviously Mason Mount has rejected a new transfer, a new uh, contract at Chelsea. He only got one more year left on his deal. Uh, but whether or not Manchester United go back in for him, we're interested to see if that uh, has any legs. The other one's popped up over the last few days. Nicola Barella, Inter Milan to Liverpool. We know Liverpool's need for quality midfielder. I think if Liverpool were able to pull this off, oh, yeah. it would be an amazing signing. Mean, Barella is one of the best midfielders in Europe. Um, and he's exactly what Liverpool need. The only thing is whether or not Inter Milan are willing to let go of one of their prized assets. We know they made the Champions League final last year. We know they need to sell because, again, their financial structures. But whether or not Barella is the player they want to get rid of, um, that would be a superb signing for Liverpool and Klopp. 100%. And I think he, he can actually do really well under Klopp as well, right? Um, I think that team structure around him too, it has, that, it has enough players that... It's um it's gonna be where he doesn't need to perform every single week. Yep. Right. He can actually. And we've have already that. sent to come in. We've yeah. made, they've already made so that move. Liverpool are looking like they they need to get back to that top, yep. right? Yep. Um, but from an inter perspective, you're right. Yes, you need to sell, but at the same time, you're you're losing probably one of your most valuable assets on that team, right? So is that really that smart? Because you're in that position, especially with Juventus going through that struggle. Yeah. AC Milan, as you, as we touched on, going through a little bit of a the up and down in terms of. What they're going to be like. Napoli next year. obviously got a new coach coming in. They've, they've and and who knows players. if Osimhen's even going to stay yep. this year? If he's going to get bought by a big club, right? So Inter might be looking at this as, hey, this is a potential for us to for yep. us to take it to to Serie A and to make a deep run again yep. in Champions League. So look, it's going to be a hard one. I think he I think he would be great at Liverpool. I don't, don't think they want to let him go. Though. Yeah, but I that's, don't think that's they want to let him go. The feeling that that's coming out of mind is they do not want to let him go. Yeah. But if Liverpool come up with a big sum of money, we know money yeah. can talk. So we need to see happens. Probably the the trans could be the transfer saga of the summer. Teclan Rice yeah. looks like he looked like he was going to Arsenal, and all of a sudden Manchester City are sniffing around. John know Declan's got a huge decision to make where he wants to go, and and obviously if Manchester City come talking. It's going to be hard for him to turn that down in terms of if he wants to win trophies. Yeah, I mean, I kind of think that this is like that decision of what do, what do you want? Do you want to just win or do you want to be one of the out-and-out backbones of your team? Exactly. Right? Because that's the difference. And, and this potentially could be a really turning point in his career yep. maybe too because he needs to think about it as if he goes for Arsenal, then he's going to be one of the instrumental members of that team, right? If he goes to City, yes, he will contribute. But I don't see him being necessarily that person who's pulling the strings on that team, yep. right? Yeah. So this is a huge moment for him as to where he wants to go in his career. Because I think personally, skill-wise and everything for that, he might progress a little bit further in Arsenal because there's going to be a bit more of a load on him, expectation on him. Yeah. If he goes to City, potentially, you're going to win more. Yes. He may play a little bit less, though. He will We've play seen a bit with less. Guardiola. Yeah. He's, he's happy to rest his players and rotate his squad. And obviously, yep. you've got Rodri already. Yep. And then City usually only play one defensive central midfielder, unless Declan plays a little higher. But it'd be interesting to see where he where he could end up. Some of the other big transfers, Jono, Josko Guardiol, Guardiol, you mm. know, the Croatian yeah. centre-back, apparently Manchester City yeah, no, are no. looking. Yeah. Again, would be an amazing signing for them. From an American point of view, Christian Pulisic to Leon. Yeah. We know Leon have got an American owner, apparently a strong interest there. 
Do you think it would be a good move for Christian there, John? He would play. He just we needs know to that. play. He needs yeah. to play. He just needs to play. At this point, he needs to go to some team that he's in a top kind of tier team, but just play. He needs to play. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see where Pulisic ends up. Uh, Julian Timber looks like he's going to go to Ajax to Arsenal. Obviously, add good depth to that Arsenal team. He's yep. a good young player. I think that would be a really clever signing. Uh, we saw another signing to Saudi Arabia, Kaladu Kulabali. Yeah. Only one year after signing from Napoli to Chelsea, he looks he's moved to Al Ilihal. Touching on that, John, just quickly before we go to our five quick questions. Chelsea's links to Saudi Arabia uh, through their Clear Lake Capital, which is the which is the Saudi uh, fund, which is uh, backing that. Do you make, in terms of the timing of, of a lot of these Chelsea players all of a sudden going to Saudi Arabia, do you think there's anything sinister in it? Or do you actually just think it is just Chelsea need to get players off their books and the Saudi Arabian clubs are willing to pay a transfer for some of these players, which I they get rid of. Yeah, it's kind of a hard one because you can see it in both sides, but I do think that Chelsea realized that they just went crazy spending in this last yep. year and they recognized, oh, wait, we can't afford to keep all these players, essentially. We're not winning with any of these players. We need to offload them somehow. Yep. It seems like the Saudi league is that easy kind of, hey, let's just keep sending them that way. Yep, they're happy to take some money, let them walk. But at the same time, if it continues to happen past this year when they have this huge offload, that's when it's going to be really interesting to keep an eye on. But I do see them. They, they, we all knew that they were going to need to offload a, a number of players this year. Um, but yeah, it is interesting the way that it's kind of going about as well that, what, the last three have gone to the Saudi League? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, yeah. the Saudi PIF fund, have only, I think they've got a 5% investment in Clear Lake Capital. So they're not a major investment, but there is that link between yeah. Bowley, Clear Lake and Saudi's been to see if any more Chelsea players end up in Saudi Arabia. Well, as always, John, we'll end with five quick questions. I've got you this week, mate. Let's do it. Let's go. Number one, will the Ben Hunt situation in Australia in the rugby league set a precedent for other players to broker mid-year club swaps? We know he's, he's he was even willing to pay yeah. to get out of St. George. Does that set a dangerous precedent? Yeah, it's. It, I mean, it's a really sticky one right now. It, it actually really, really is. Um Look, it'll be interesting because I actually don't mind from a from a fan perspective that kind of bit of controversy, changing it up and everything like that. I think it's it's a great dynamic. Certainly gives something to talk about for it, us. Exactly. So I don't mind it from that point of view. But the way that it's kind of gone about right now mm. is just, I think other players need to really look at that and see if they want to get themselves involved in those kind of situations. Because it is just such a sticky situation between him and the Dragons at this point that it, it's just, who knows, right? What, what could be amazing is he goes from a seller dweller yeah. and he could win a premiership with the Broncos the end of the year what, yeah. what a turnaround that could be Smart for Ben Hunt mate, great for him number two who plays in the second test for Australia Scott Boland or will they go with Mitchell Stark yeah look I've, I've been hearing the chatter that looks like Stark might be the person that's going to come in and uh, and again I don't think either option would be that bad right yep um, but again, when you have somebody like that returning, then you kind of give them a little bit of the nod. So it does look like that they are going to go with Stark. Also forward. gives them that left arm option. We know Stark, he can be expensive sometimes, but he can also roll some unplayable deliveries. Number three, we did discuss this a little bit earlier. Where should Declan Rice sign? Manchester City or Arsenal? I think Manchester United have been sniffing around, but it looks yeah. like it's out of those two. Look, I personally think it should be Arsenal. I okay. think for his career, he should do Arsenal. I mean, you look at what happened. Yes, injuries and everything like that, but with Calvin Phillips yep. and everything like that, you don't want to see another thing like, like that happen. So I'd love him to go to Arsenal. Big signing for Arsenal. Number four, should Brad Fittler coach New South Wales again Oof. in next year's Origin Series? Regardless, yeah. 
or what happens in game three? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, look, because it's hard, because again, the expectation has been that he should yeah. really be winning regardless of the injuries and everything. I do like to see coaches out and everything like that, but yeah, let's let's run it back maybe one more time. Give him one more one, year? One more okay. shot. De- maybe it is kind of dependent on it's the result of what's going to happen, yep. right? But oh, it's going to be hard. I mean, and also, we don't know how he feels. Yeah, how he's yeah. feeling. We're not, we'll obviously get all that after yeah. game three. Yeah, because he might just be defeated at that point. Possibly. So, so yeah, we're going to be a big decision there. And number five, who will play the Adelaide Thunderbirds in the Suncorp Super Netball Grand Final? New South Wales Swifts, who actually finished first. So yeah, yeah. They lost in Sydney. Or the West Coast, favorite. remembering the preliminary final we played in Sydney this weekend. Yeah, look, I think that um, the Swifts are going to want some revenge there, right? So they're going to want to avenge that 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 loss that they just recently had. So they're t- they're clearly going to go into this semi. They're gonna they're gonna win it. They're gonna show why they were the number one seed essentially all throughout the year. Um, I think they ended with you know just only a handful of losses yeah. on the year. Yeah. So um, and then get to that final. Now what happens in that final? That's a different story. But I think that they're going to be looking at this as they know it's a it's a do or die situation. So they're going to take that so out. So New South Wales Swifts against Adelaide Thunderbirds grand final there. Well, that brings you another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jonna. As always, thank you for your support and good night.